1984, the Wooster Group put on a show called LSD, Just the High Points. LSD was a postmodernist production that contained a significant segment of Arthur Miller's play, The Crucible. The Wooster Group and Miller attempted to work together to make LSD something that both parties wanted it to be, but there were a lot of obstacles in doing that, and it eventually never happened and the show closed early. Unlike some other examples talked about here, the original author was consulted very early on. In late 1983, Elizabeth LeConte, artistic director of the Wooster Group, invited Miller to see their rehearsal of the show that would become LSD. This version included a 50-minute segment featuring The Crucible in a compressed, parodied way. Miller didn't give the group the rights to use The Crucible, as he didn't really want it to be in LSD like that. He was hoping for a major Crucible revival soon, and felt like its inclusion in LSD in such a large part would discourage that. The Crucible segment in LSD was cut to 20 minutes after Miller's visit, and it made up the entire second section of the play. It took certain fragments of scenes from The Crucible and presented them in order with no changes. LeCompte said, it was very important to me to take full sequences of the text without changing sequences of lines. There was no reversing or adding lines to make meaning or make the story work. I wanted to make it very clear that we were not destroying or dislocating the text. It was an adaptation, not a deconstruction. LeCompte invited Miller to see more rehearsals, though he never did. As LSD rehearsed more, and even performed all four of its parts together for the first time in Boston, the group never heard from Miller. LeConte later said that she took this as an unspoken approval by Miller of their use of his show. Considering the stuff we talked about earlier regarding rights, I'm pretty sure that's not how it works. Compared to other examples, this one was resolved relatively peacefully. No actual lawsuits, accusations of spying, or directorial rivalries started, at least. As the show moved to its New York opening, Miller's lawyers contacted the Wooster Group and told them that Miller objected to the use of the Crucible in the show and asked them to stop production before moving to New York, or they'd take legal action. The Wooster Group tried a few other solutions. They performed Miller's section without dialogue, only using pantomime. They performed it in gibberish. They even performed it with new lines written by Michael Kirby that followed the structure of Miller's show, but weren't his words. It had pretty clearly crossed into parody territory at this point. None of these compromises worked for Miller, though. Once the Wooster Group learned that Miller had both legal and aesthetic objections to their new version of the show, they closed it in January 1985. Afterwards, Miller chose not to pursue legal action, saying, I don't want to harm them. They were well-intentioned, it was just badly handled. But LSD didn't stay closed forever. Michael Kirby rewrote part two to focus on scenes from The Hearing, a play of his with the Wooster Group. The show reopened in January 1986 to a successful tour that would last through 1990. Though Miller had objected to the use of his play by the Wooster Group in a matter that he didn't approve of, he acknowledged that such a thing could happen in the future, saying, Maybe at some point in the future, the play will become a kind of public classic. But I'm still around, and I should have a say about how the play is done, as long as I am. Miller's implication about public classics is, I feel, pretty important here. 
Once a play becomes so well-known and widespread that it's considered a classic, what changes about it? Legally speaking, this classic-ifying could happen when a work enters the public domain, where pretty much anybody can do pretty much anything they want to with it. There are no intellectual property claims over the work itself. Anyone can use it, and no one can own it. It's a little complicated which condition applies in a specific case, but basically, plays enter the public domain 70 years after the author's death, or 95 years after they're published. Before that happens, though, no matter how classic a play is, an author or their estate still has legal rights over productions of their shows. So they can legally step in when a production isn't using their work the way they want it to. The question of whether or not they should is an entirely other issue that I think everybody has to come to their own conclusions about. The dynamics between director and author have shifted a lot over time. While playwrights were originally seen as the ones with full control over a show and how it should be performed in all situations, this changed significantly since the 1960s and 70s. The role of the director expanded over this time, and classic works were often adapted to reflect social and political issues that were important at the time they were performed. In this time period, the view of classics in Western theater changed a lot too. They weren't seen as something that should stay true to their original setting, untouched by current events. Actually, lots of productions of classics emphasize the difference between the original time period and the contemporary one and work to generate new meanings that can come from the original text in a new setting. So, this dynamic between authors and directors, past and present, original and adaptation, has changed a lot over time, and I imagine it's still changing today. This leaves us in a really interesting period in this discussion of rights and creative freedom. Right now and recently, it seems like directors are given a good bit of creative control over most productions, though authors can and do step in and stop things whenever they aren't what they want for their work. In some cases, and to some extent, this limits the possibilities of a text to be adapted to new situations and convey new and more contemporary messages. At the same time, it ensures that an author will be fairly compensated for the work they put into a text and can have control over how their work is used. Directors also have control over the original things they bring to the table, as they're able to copyright and get credit for their ideas that give a production its unique message and themes. All of these things are important in their own way, and they can sometimes clash with each other and the introduction of new ideas into a show. It's up to each person to come up with their own ideas about how they should be balanced, how a production can be true to its original, and still introduce new ideas, messages, and perspectives to the world.